This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. Happy New Year. It is time to grab the bull by the horns. Welcome to Beer and Bullshit. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Back fresh from a vacation with your favorite local politician. Hitting the beaches at Christmas time with my MPPs, my MPs, my ministers. It's how we do. It's a good move. You know what? You put everybody on lockdown. No lineups at the airport. Everybody's on lockdown. Tell people to stay home, not to see family. Nobody's on the beach. Nobody's in front of you in line at the buffet at the hotel. Nobody's grabbing the Mai Tais before you. Kudos. Smart. Smart move for those local politicians. We're locking it down like suckers. And they're having fun in the sun. Hopefully we see lots more of that. Lots more politicians out there mixing it up. Doing fake Zoom backgrounds. Putting sweaters on in St. Bart's. That's what I'm talking about. That's a classy move. Anyway, it's 2021. Already a classier year. I feel it. I feel it in my bones that an arbitrary passage of time has all of a sudden meant everything shitty is gone and everything new is great. Of course that's what happens. Woo! 2021, baby! Let's do this! We missed you guys over the break. I say we, it's just me again. Chris is not here. My man CP, Chris Pellerin. Uh, he was supposed to do this interview with me, but uh, Chrissy had a headache. Oh. I have a headache. Oh, I can't do the podcast. <laughs> no, uh, he had a headache. He couldn't do it. So I did it. But it's a good one, regardless of the lack of Chris. I think I held my own. I'm talking to Mary Beth Keefe tonight. For those who don't know, she is the head brewer at the Granite in Toronto. And you probably heard of the Granite, but maybe you don't know the Granite. So I'm hoping that some of you have fallen that category B are going to go check it out as a result of this podcast because the Granite's got it going on. It's kind of a throwback vibe, as you'll find out, and uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out or trying to support. I've been thinking about this uh, since the interview. I kind of dawned on me during the interview, but like, I do feel like the time is right for proper English pubs again once we get on the other side of this thing. Um Because, man, wouldn't it be great to just hunker down in a cozy pub and sip nice English-style beers for, like, two fucking days? That's exactly what I want to do right now. I realized it while I was talking to Mary Beth. So, uh, hopefully you're like me and you get the same vibe uh, and you want to get into some well-balanced, mostly English-style beers, open-fermented Ringwood yeast beers, which you'll learn all about on this uh, interview. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Granite, it's an institution. If you don't know, now you know. No more excuses. Here is, uh, my interview with Mary Beth. I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm, uh, like, out of touch now, but I don't know that many people know how far back the Granite's history goes. Like, it really starts, like, in the 80s in Halifax, if you want to tell the whole long story, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's when uh, my uncle opened the first granite in 1986. Um, 
yeah, he went over to England. I He told me the whole story um, last year when I was doing a talk at the Holy Waters Festival that went on. I think that was two summers ago now. Um, so I was doing some research onto the, like, on the history of the granite because I know like a fair bit, but um, my uncle's side of it, I didn't know that much. And it was pretty cool. Like he, uh, he, him and his brother, they were big business guys in Halifax and um, craft beer wasn't a thing here yet then. And I don't know, he was just reading about the surge of like, breweries in England and there was a course that was being offered over there so he went for three months with his wife and his kids at the time and yeah they spent the summer there and he learned to brew with Alan Pugsley and Peter Austin uh, who started the whole Ringwood system over here in North America they started in Ringwood well yeah I won't get too far back but um, yeah they he learned with them and then they came over and he was the first Ringwood system in North America um, to open. So that's pretty historical there and pretty cool. Uh, the Ringwood system for those that don't know is all open fermentation and we use the Ringwood yeast, which um, thrives on being open fermented. And a lot of people can't wrap their heads around that because you just think of all the things that could go wrong if your beer is exposed, but this yeast is truly amazing in that it just covers the beer. Even, even on the day you brew, it will be exposed for a little bit, but it's already starting to work in there. And we've, we have never had an infection from anything getting into the beer because it hasn't been covered. So um, yeah, it's a really incredible yeast. And like I said, he was the first one to have that over here. So that started in 1986. And then um, my dad really thought that what he was doing was awesome. So he learned from Alan Pugsley as well. Uh, he went to Maine to learn from him because he was over there at this point. Um, learned at Shipyard. I'm pretty, no, no, no. Oh God, I can't remember if it was Shipyard or I think it was, it was another one. He went to Shipyard after, but he learned there um, for like a couple of weeks and he talked to my uncle a whole bunch. And then in 1991, he opened the Granite here in Toronto. So 91. Okay. We've been, this is our 30th year now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And you're still using the Ringwood yeast and still open fermentation. Mm -hmm. What does the for people maybe well including me do, does the ringwood yeast like is there a characteristic that it lends your beer that you think makes it more like distinct other than the fact that it's you know sturdy enough for the for the open fermentation what what characteristics do you, would you say it lends the beer uh it's very fruity very estery uh you can get some apple in there pear uh there it's floral you you can you can taste it in every single beer that we do yeah. um it's yeah it's versatile for what for what you can do with it but it really works the best with english styles well i was gonna um, say i kind of think of granite i think more english styles and i think of the flavor profiles you're mentioning so it yeah. makes sense that it has to do with the yeast you've been using the yeast for sure yeah so when yeah 
when do you when do um, you come into the picture i mean <laughs> you've been there i mean been part of it it's your family but when did you start to actually get involved with the business um well do they have I, child labor were you in there yeah, a little. <laughs> slinging i i've been on the payroll since i was about 11 so okay. yeah i my dad would bring me in on the weekend and i'd fill casks with him and yeah he i obviously i've been on the payroll that long so i must have been getting paid but i remember my like favorite part was having chips and salsa at the bar after and whenever they're making salsa in the kitchen now it just brings me back to that time because they haven't changed the recipe in all these years so yeah nice. i've been um i've been working there since then and then um that was obviously off and on but when i turned 18 i started serving and there was always like a little bit of an interest in the brewing um i always thought that what my dad did was super cool and always said oh yeah i'm gonna be a brewer one day too but it yeah it took me a while to actually be serious about that so um, yeah, serving when I was 18 and like helping out off and on. And I went to university, uh, came back when I was 22 or so again, like off and on in the brewery, but then I traveled for a year and, um, actually spent like the next kind of two to three years back and forth traveling. Um, but yeah, what really kind of sealed the deal for me in, realizing that what I wanted to do was in fact be a brewer was um, living over in England because my husband is from there so we met when we were traveling um, yeah we lived here and then we moved over there and I worked at a pub um, and it's tiny village like a couple thousand people and the pub culture there really was inspiring I guess like it it reminded me of the, of the granite because we have our regulars. Uh, mm. We're obviously much bigger than like a small English pub, but that familiarity is there. And um, yeah, just the fact that the same people would come in all the time and you'd form relationships and just the beer itself, obviously. So um, the cask beer in particular. That's always so, actually what strikes me of granite is that it has a real pub feel. Like so many North American entities try to emulate that or fake it and it just feels so fake but like i'm sitting at granite having like a, an english mild one time i was like this is it like you didn't you didn't have to pretend it just it, it's legit right yeah that's my dad he uh as much as i look around sometimes and wish that it was a little trendier or whatever it is it is what it is and our yeah. customers are used to that and we don't yeah i think that if we try to change it too much to like keep with the times then that would seem fake in a yeah. way because he started um, slapping up barn board and edison light bulbs and people would be like, <laughs> like we got we right. got this already <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah I, so, I remember the last time i chatted with you you guys were telling us telling me a story about i think there's like regulars that come in every sunday or there's a, is that the right day even but there's a group oh, the, that was coming in for like the unicorn and, boys yeah. So, yeah on wednesday worst gang name ever by the way yeah. <laughs> yeah they well in the summer uh with lockdown there were really only two guys that would still come every wednesday but they're they're just so old at this point that 
a lot of them shouldn't be leaving right and a lot of them haven't made it this far so that's yeah, yeah. that's like the really sad thing about having um old customers a pub with <laughs> a lot of like older regulars it's sad but yeah yeah it's nice that we've gotten to get to know them this yeah. whole time <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> yeah. not get too dark but yeah, I, I know I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I also know that early on it was like i mean i feel like I, I kind of feel like I'm an of an older generation of beer nerd at this point, but like I remember reading like when you guys were like probably when you were a kid, it was like Charles McLean and Michael Hancock were like the young up and comers coming around hanging out in Granite. Like that's like that's Ontario yeah. beer royalty basically. I feel pretty lucky that I know a lot of those like OG brewers through my dad um, because they have so much knowledge and history and uh experience that i don't know like obviously all these new guys they they know a lot too but i don't know i just feel special that i that i know them as well as i do through my dad no it is special yeah yeah um so do you have brothers and sisters i'm sorry i don't know that yeah two brothers um my one brother sam is the gm and my younger brother, Dave, he does a lot of the photos for social media. He works um, in, the, in the store now. He serves as well. But yeah, he he has his own thing going on, but he's still a part of the business too. Was anyone else interested in brewing or was it, were, the, were you the one child that was like in the brew house? Um, yeah, it it always interested me the most Dave brewed for a little bit, but then decided that it wasn't quite for him. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it ever weird? Was it ever weird? I don't imagine it was knowing your dad, but was it ever weird that you were female and that you were in the brew house? Cause I mean, eat back even now it's super male, like nineties. Was it an odd thing that his daughter wanted to brew beer? Well, you I ever didn't feel- start. In- I didn't start till like 2008, not okay. the 90s. Okay. <laughs> um, Sorry. But yeah. Uh, no, I never felt weird about it. My dad was always like, he was the one that was taking me in when I was 11 years old. So it was always something that he was very encouraging about. And he was also very patient because like I said, it was something I was interested in, but didn't fully commit to for a while and he was very patient with me during that time and then when I came back from England and said yeah I'm ready now then um yeah he he was the one that taught me and it was actually only a few months later that our assistant brewer left and I took over for him and a few months after that that I took over for my dad so um yeah and no like I don't know I I've talked to a lot of women in the industry and they've um, dealt with a lot more sexism than I have. Like I've been really lucky in that respect. All of the regulars, all the customers, they've always been super supportive. Um, And yeah, my gen, like, I don't know, I guess at times my gender is an issue in that they'll be like, Oh, you don't look like a brewer or whatever, but um, that's like as far as it goes really. So well, that's good. I think that's it's unique. Good. Probably a benefit of being in a family business, realistically. I mean, yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah. yeah. So we talked a bit about uh, the more English styles, because that is what I always think of when I think of granite. 
Mm-hmm. Is that something that as you have taken over brewing operations, you think you're moving away from, or are you just kind of adding on to it? Um, adding on, like, I, I did as much as I could with the Ringwood yeast in my, like, creative way. Um, I don't know how many different styles I did with that yeast, but after a while, I just felt a little bit trapped. Um, I love the Ringwood yeast, and actually, since getting my clothes for Mentor, which was my deal with my dad, like, to become more creative and make more beers that I I wanted to make myself that I enjoy drinking and couldn't with the Ringwood yeast because of that very estuary characteristic that would get in the way of certain styles like a West Coast IPA or what have you. But um, so he, I was really happy that he agreed to that wholeheartedly. And um, yeah, so with that, I've been able to experiment with different yeasts and different styles and I'll, I will always be somewhat traditional, I think, just because of the way um, we do things. But I, like, the first thing I wanted to do when I got the clues for mentor was um, a New England IPA. And I knew that we were a little late in the game, but um, there were some good ones out there, but I felt that I could make a really good one. And I think that I did make a really good one with Brand New Day. Um, I did a lot of research into it and made sure I didn't skimp on the hops or anything like that. So that was the debut in the close fermenter and it went off really well. A lot of people loved it. Yeah. I had that one. It was I, was quite really good. Happy. I was really happy with it. So um, yeah, from there we got a Belgian strain, the old world Saison from uh, in Guelph. Oh my God. Escarpment. Sorry. Escarpment. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, but this is where it becomes a little tricky because I wanted to make these beers that I was really excited about, but we have our customer base who kind of expects something from us. And while we are getting newer customers in and younger customers and people that want to try different things, um, a lot of people still have their favorite beer that they come for, whether it's peculiar or bitter or stout. Um, so while we made this like awesome Belgian series, we did first a Saison, then a Brut Saison, or sorry, a Brut IPA with the Belgian yeast, and then an Autumn Saison. And all of them were delicious, but like, it was a really hard sell because people didn't come to the Granite for Belgian beer. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've, um, yeah, like a bit of a struggle that we've faced with it because especially with licensees too, which really frustrates me because I feel like I can show them something that would maybe appeal more to their client base or their customers, but they just want the traditional granite English ale. Mm. So that's good. But like, I find it frustrating because I want to show, show the world what I'm made of, but mm-hmm. um, you're a little pigeonholed, yeah, right? not Thanks. always interested. So. Yeah. They expect what they expect from you guys. And you're also, Mm -hmm. I mean, oddly beholden a little bit to your on-site, like your customers, your walk-in customers, right? I mean, I don't know how much of your sales was to licensees, but you didn't, you don't, I mean, you're in the LCBO now, but you didn't really do. Yeah. um, That's not like a huge thing for us. It's more to get our name out to people. Right. 
who just further away from um midtown but yeah uh no our like that's our bread and butter um selling out of the pub we have like a good list of licensees that take our stuff um i don't know we do maybe like 10 to 12 deliveries a week back in the before times Mm -hmm. um and then we have our own store which has been helpful too but yeah the majority of the sales have always been in-house so that's why obviously COVID is such a struggle because um we went from being a brew pub to a packaging brewery which yeah it's just like so much more expensive and so much more time consuming and um but yeah it is what it is and we're still here so that's the that's the main thing you mentioned midtown i still kind of i mean i lived in st Clair, so kind of like that same i don't know laterally the same but i always thought of it as kind of like a craft beer dead zone like i don't know davisville eglinton is it still kind of like it is craft beer still kind of a hard sell in that area i mean you guys have your hardcores because you've been there forever but like what else is around there these days uh um well yeah not a lot really um there's a place that opened up like a few streets away called the bell size and they only sell craft beer and then actually what was the chicken deli apparently they're um selling themselves as like a craft beer bar now i've never been in yet so i don't know what they have but it's like yeah not completely craft but better than a lot of other places i guess but no you're right it's still uh there's not a lot for sure oh, but it's always helpful to have at least one more so it's like a destination like oh we can go there and then go there but like it's hard right. when you're the one thing there yeah i guess like yeah it's kind of far but not that far and i know it's all relative when i lived there it seemed like it was so far away but now when I, yeah. I live in london and when i'm in toronto people are like oh it's so far away i'm like it's a 20 minute subway ride like yeah. it's so close everything's so yeah, close for sure um you mentioned the ringwood yeast i just had it i feel like it's worth mentioning that you pitched it for the 1000th time this year right yeah, we're actually now on a thousand and ninety-two. Okay, sorry. Yeah, almost <laughs> eleven hundred. Nice. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool because yeah, before that it was I think we made it to five hundred and thirty or something. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, before we got this pitch that we're using now. So. Gotcha. Is mm-hmm. there difficulty maintaining new yeast strains, given that you've always been kind of like, oh, I don't know, a one yeast brew pub now that you've got multiples in there um a little bit yeah we so the one that we've been using a lot um is london three from y yeast it's another english yeast but that's what we do for the brand new day um again it's not it's not as estuary but definitely still very english um but it works well with the closed fermentation we tried ringwood once closed fermented it was not happy so um (laughs) won't do that again but uh yeah what we found because with the closed fermenter i got the manway put at the top um so that if we did happen to brew with ringwood in there we could keep the lid open um just to have it open still and to crop because that's how we harvest our yeast we just like 
scoop it off the top and put it in buckets and put it in the fridge. It's like, it's that easy for the ringwood. So with this London three, um, we found that it does have a Krausen on top and you can top crop the same way. Mm. And it actually um, is much healthier that way than doing it from the bottom. And when you're dry hopping as much as you do with these New England IPAs, you can harvest and then dry hop and still have that healthy yeast that you've cropped from the top. So, um, yeah, we've so we found that that works pretty well with this particular yeast. But we also found out the hard way that it doesn't always work that way. So um, we might have to reassess a little bit. But otherwise, yeah, it's just we do our best to make sure that um, aside from this one, because we don't think that, sorry, I'm looking at my glasses. I say this yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the London three, we don't, if anything, Ringwood would be getting into the 1318 and, or sorry, London three, I use them interchangeably, um, which wouldn't be the end of the world. If anything, it would just probably ferment down a little bit further than it usually does. But other than that, it wouldn't be, detrimental to the health or anything like that but when we were doing that belgian yeast like if that got into the ringwood that would be horrible so yeah it's just like it's a it's funny because for me it's such a learning curve and um it makes me appreciate ringwood so much more for its simplicity and hardiness and yeah its ability to kick anything's ass so um <laughs> That's been interesting because I was like, oh, Ringwood, I'm not done with you, but I really want to, I need to move on. I need to see what else is out there. But I'm like, oh, Ringwood, I love you. So anyway. <laughs> um, you keep yeah. saying, you keep saying we, how big is your team that like, what's the brewing team look like at Granite these days? Uh, there are four of us. Okay. So there's one other brewer and we have two cellar hands too. So, okay. And everyone's yeah. still around in COVID times. Is that the same size of the team before? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, because that's, this is the only thing that's busy right now is the, the beer side. So. Right. Ice. Cold. Beer. Ice. Hey, uh, hey, what are you, uh, what are you doing? Oh, Hey Chris, I'm uh, I'm just excited about ice cold beer. Well, clearly you said it a number of times, and the show is all about beer. No, no, ice cold beer uh, from Leftfield Brewery. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Brewed with barn owl, malt, barley, and wheat, uh, VQH Farms Cascade hops, and Escarpment Labs yeast. Leftfield Brewery's ice cold beer is a 100% Ontario ale through and through. It's seriously great without being too serious. Well, good thing because we're not too serious, but crushable. Much like us, crisp and refreshing. And it goes perfectly with baseball. It is a bleacher beer. That is a new beer category I'm inventing bleacher beer. Well, now I want ice. Cold beer. Well, Chris, you're in luck. Baseball might not be here right now, but this beer sure is. 
Ice cold beer is available now for home delivery in Toronto and in select other markets with the left field fan shop orders of 45, over 45 bucks and is now available at your local LCBO and grocery stores. Well, that sounds pretty convenient. It's very convenient. As an added bonus, Beer and Bullshit listeners can keep your ice cold beer ice cold for longer. Use the promo code BULLSHIT on any order over $45 in the Left Field Brewery online fan shop and get a free ice cold can koozie. Koozie must be 19 years or older. Available while supplies last. Ice cold. No, no we're done. We're done. That's it. Um, so what's the balance of um, new versus old recipes, would you say? Like, because I know you've been folding into like the closed fermentation stuff, but you got to keep the classics going. Oh yeah. So we have our, um, our core lineup of like 10 or 11 granite, like ringwood beers. And then uh, I think we try Yeah. I do say we a lot. Anyway. Yeah. We're a team. Okay, um, it's your, Yeah. It's your team. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, we try to keep, at least two of the F- FBX, that's what we call it, um, the closed fermenter of the FBX beers or uh, the seasonals, which tend to be um, Ringwood based, but yeah. We always try to have like three or four rotating slash one-offs. But yeah, the, the closed fermenter, especially when we have the different yeast, like the London three, uh, we want to keep that going for as long as we can. Normally we do about 10, um, 10 brews with it. So yeah, we have to keep brewing. So like every three weeks or so we'll churn out another one and they tend to go within like five weeks. So, yeah. What is, what is that meant for your, uh, capacity? Like, are you pumping out more beer now? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Because I'm one of the, people like most who um most craft beer drinkers who like variety so i always like to have a bunch of different things on that are new as well as the uh the core so um yeah we got new taps right before covid started um with four extra ones so we have like 16 total now my dad was pretty adamant about not having 16 on at all times because we also have the five beer engines for our cask. So that's quite a lot of beer and mm-hmm. a lot to move. Um, but yeah, if if I had it my way, I'd have them all filled at once. So you always have the cask engines going? Like those are, that's... Yeah. So again, because of the variety, we'd always have our three, our Hopping Mad, Best Bitter Special and IPA. And then I got a another two rotating cask taps for the weekend so we'd fill like our galactic and dry hop with citra which is always delicious or do a peculiar with bourbon oak or something like that so just for a little something different wow i mean that's got to be in contention with most cask ale at a spot in toronto definitely the brew pub with the most cask brewed in-house like that's yeah i don't there aren't many i would say that do cask regularly here um but yeah like volo they they always have cask on of course yeah and you guys are doing cask in a box for a while that was a good idea that was yeah we're doing it still we've got 400 of them so um yeah it's like we had a feeling it would go over well but it uh it kind of 
went yeah better than we thought yeah people cool. miss their real ale so apparently yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool i've had a couple here and um yeah it tastes really good and the carb holds and the flavor lasts a long time like longer than we thought um I tried one that we had tapped two weeks earlier and the flavor was still amazing. The carb was like a little less, but the taste mm. was great. So I wonder if yeah. that's like the next, I mean, we've all revert. Well, the tr we're kind of trending back to the balanced, like crushable. I always call them dad beers, which is not probably the right term, but lawnmower beers, like loggers and pilsers. I wonder if like good, like, cask is like comfort food almost like i feel like people you're like oh you can have cask in your house people are like yes that's what i need right now i'm at home i need comforting cask in a box right. next, to my, next to my desk yeah <laughs> but yeah. i wonder if when we come out of this thing that would be like like i could totally like as i'm picturing granite i'm like fuck i'd love to go to the granite right now i mean i'd love to go anywhere right now but <laughs> i'd love to be at the yeah. granite right now having a cask yeah yeah when they came in because they wanted craft beer and just seeing that expansion even though I know it's competition um, but it's also community and just seeing that people are looking for more local um, smaller batch well-made beer that people are passionate about that's that's been amazing um, and I've seen it because yeah it just like, I still remember those days and they don't seem that far away that people um, had no idea who we were and what we did. They're like, oh, I didn't know you were a brewery. Oh, I didn't know this about you. But now people, people know us and they know what we're about. And um, yeah, they, people like seek you out, which is really cool. And nice. yeah, I don't know. That's, that's been, uh, whether it's surprising or just nice to see it's uh it's have you good. have you felt pressure to like get the brewery out there more i mean when you know when the place launched it was like one of like what three four brew pubs breweries in toronto now there's so much do you feel like granite sometimes get lost gets lost in the shuffle like do you feel like a pressure to modernize a little bit in terms of social media and that kind of thing uh yes definitely um I, it's still like, there are still a lot of people that don't know about us and we have been around for so long and yeah, something that kind of gets to me once in a while is like, we make a quality product, but people, because we've been around so long, we will never be hype and we will never be like the it brewery because we're just, well, we're traditional. That's a big part of it too. But like, I feel like we get overlooked a lot because we're just old. Um, so as much as we can up our social media game and stuff like that, I think people need to appreciate the style of beer that we do. And I know that maybe not everyone is into that because they're going for the trendier things or their taste buds are just different because they got into craft beer later or what have you. But um, I just don't know what to do about that. So yeah. that's, that's been a little bit of a, a struggle um, just with all these new breweries that are coming up, but like, yeah, what really gets me and I'm, I won't name names obviously, but there are so many hype breweries out there that I personally feel their product is not worth the hype. For sure. um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, 
Yeah, my head, I mean, I'm my, my, my forte is marketing. So my head goes to like, I was already like getting there. Like there's, I feel like there's an opportunity of like returning to like that, the classics, right? Like we're already kind of doing it in terms of the styles that are trending. Like, I, I don't, like I, I, like I said, I were talking about it, Like I want to go to the granite right now. Like it's almost like a return to classics. I mean, maybe craft beer is getting younger and younger and they don't want to sip English milds in a cool pub, but I, I sure as hell yeah. do. Yeah, but I don't know. Like on the same token, um, Bim at Godspeed is making traditional Czech pilsners and he's booming. So yeah. there's something to be said about tradition still. It's just, I guess the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The way you go for it. He makes amazing beers, but yeah. He's, he's got a, a Bim's great, but, and his beers are great, but he's got a pretty hipster friendly rapper. Like he's got the mystique of Didiciel and he was in Japan. He's got his yeah. cool Toronto thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what would be next for you guys? I mean, I don't, you have a great formula and like you said, you have such a rabid, well, not rabid, but regular fan base and like hardcore fan base of regulars. Would you change it up? Like, what do you want to do next? I don't imagine you guys are thinking production brewery and LCBO or anything crazy, but. Yeah. Um, well, I think expansion to a certain extent would be pretty cool but I feel like it would just be more like another facility where we could do um, batches, maybe like slightly bigger than what we're doing now, but not anything crazy again. Like right now we're a 10 hack brew house um, to have another facility where we could do 20 hex or something would be pretty cool. I I'm still, as much as I want to expand, I still am, I still think that small batches are the way to go. Um, I just think the quality is better when it's smaller and more under control and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, it would never be ridiculously large, but at least to get the beer out there a bit more, maybe, yeah, do a bit more packaging, that sort of thing. Because right now we're it's we're on a two-man canner we get northern canning to come in and do um larger runs of four of our brands now which is a huge help but we still can about i don't know five or six brands ourselves and again that's like on the two-man canner which is very slow and we do all the labeling ourselves and um it's like it works for now but we can only keep it up for so long i think so yeah to get like an awesome uh wild goose canner or canning line and have it uh label while we go just seems like a dream but one day maybe yeah i mean once you have that capacity you find that you're then you got to start brewing stuff that's going to fly off the shelves and then you're you will find yourself chasing trends because you got to push volumes right that's kind of like the yeah it's the balance you want to start pumping out milkshake ipas (laughs) the granite milkshake ipa on cask (laughs) Mm. oh yeah warm lactose beer Mm -hmm. well thanks i appreciate it and it's nice to chat i don't know that we've chatted one-on-one ever before so this is nice yeah nope not (laughs) one-on-one all right well thanks again and we'll, we'll talk soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, bye. Okay, cheers. 
right near the beach. Bye!